What up, y'all? My name is Carl. And I'm Jake. And you're listening to Do You Even Lift Pro? Men Exercising Social Justice. Thanks for all of our listeners out there, if there are any. Uh, we really appreciate anybody who takes the time out of their day to hear us talk about stuff. And today, Jake and I are going to talk about showing up. This is something that Jake and I are constantly self-reflecting on and making sure that we're critical about because there's going to be a point in your feminist journey, if you will, that you're going to want to go to certain spaces where there are people who are smarter than you and learn more about what it means to be a social justice person. And so for this particular episode, we want to focus on how do we show up in social justice and feminist spaces? Right. I think the first thing I think about when it comes to showing up in a space is basically what are your nonverbals? Um, what does that look like? And does it look like you really want to learn? Because I think coming in with like humility and understanding that if you're coming in to look like you're learning, then I think you're in the right spot. Yep. Yep. So before we get to all that, Jake, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, kind of tired today. Um, maybe getting a little sick, but overall not bad. Um, so I'll stay away from you as much as possible and not try to get you sick. So <laughs> you're welcome. Um, <laughs> how are you doing? Pretty good. Um, I just, I don't know. I'm feeling very neutral. I'm not excited about nothing. I'm not like down. Mm. So it's just kind of this weird headspace of, you know how we're like against just saying, how are you? Fine. How are you? Like today it actually mm-hmm. works. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> we're all good here. And I think that's good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not, it's not bad. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, anyway, so I think one of the ways that Well, I know, actually, one of the ways that men can exercise social justice, if you will, is to sort of raise our awareness and understanding of issues, not just about men and masculinities, but beyond gender, even beyond who we are. Like, it's crucial to understand how others experience the world in order for us to raise awareness and understanding of systems of oppression. And I think the first step is actually showing up for other folks and showing up in ways that they either want you to and need you to. Mm -hmm. Um, and that also is a learning process too. For sure. And we have this enormous privilege of being at an institution of higher education where there's constantly things going on outside of classrooms to, that are designed for us to show up and learn about experiences that are outside of our own. Right. For sure. Off Um, the top of my head, Black History Month in February, Native American History Month in November, Sexual Assault Awareness Month in April, API History Month in April, mm -hmm. Pride Heritage. I don't know. They're all over the place. right? Right. And so it's, there's literally no excuse for anyone who's attending a university to not go learn more. Right. I think that, yeah, that kind of follows up with like actually being present, like just getting there, I think is the the important, (laughs) important step. And I think it's also very known when you're not there. Yeah. When I like don't show up to things, people are like, where were you, man? Like (laughs) you should have been there. Like, yeah, yeah, you're right. right. I also think there's a line of, there are definitely some spaces that are designed for you to show up in. And then there are definitely some spaces that are designed for you to not show up in. Right. Um, I think the not show up spaces, you're going to find that there's fewer of those probably because you're not going to know about them, <laughs> but there are very specific things that happen on campus where you need to make the call and be like, I'm probably not supposed to go to that one. And then there are other spaces where people are like, you should go. And if you're confused about which one is which, then ask like, Hey, is this something that I couldn't or should show up to, to the primary organizers? Yeah. And I think even asking that question is like really helpful or even reduces that the harm and also really trying to come from a learning space too. Which I think not everyone will give you like lenience and like be lenient about it. And there's no harm in asking. Um, for the most part, for yeah. sure. 
And so showing up to stuff is kind of the beginning of this process of learning and expanding our awareness of other people's experience. We also recognize that that can be pretty intimidating to show up to like a feminist Fridays or a real talk out of mm-hmm. the black and African-American cultural center or uh, try to understand at the APEC yep, at the Asian Pacific American cultural center. That can be like, I don't know, nerve wracking a little bit. And that's good. Like if you're feeling a little, you should feel a little nervous going through that space, yeah. right? That I, to me speaks to some level of vulnerability on your part. Like I'm showing up to this place with an attitude that I don't, don't know everything. And we hope to foster that particular attitude of we, Jake, you and I don't know everything either. And we're constantly reminding ourselves that we are learners, even as we're sort of facilitating conversation around sexual violence, we're still learning in that process, right? Right. I think, yeah, the uncomfortability with that too is, I think it's natural, especially for folks that identify within like dominant identities that maybe don't, like the conversation is not about them. Say more about that. Yeah. Like, so like, for example, like if me as a white dude, like if I am going to talk about Asian women and how they're portrayed in the media at like, try to understand at Asian Pacific American Culture Center. That conversation is not necessarily based on who I am, but Duh. doesn't mean exactly. <laughs> um, but it doesn't mean I can't show up and learn and also be someone that can be an like an accomplice for folks if they choose me to be. If that makes sense. Well, actually, what I thought was interesting what you were saying is maybe men, but white men in particular, need to reflect on what makes them uncomfortable in those spaces. Right. And you said that maybe the discomfort comes from the fact that there's finally a conversation that you're participating in that isn't about you. Right. I think that's fascinating to think about how your entire life, everything that you learn in classes about history, about current events, about family, about values, about where you can and can't be, all of that is designed around the consciousness of white men. And there's a certain level of comfort there for white men in almost literally mm-hmm. any space that you all and we occupy. And so the moment that you feel uncomfortable, I think maybe a lot of men go to like, I'm being excluded or I'm being attacked, which Which is bull bull (laughs) And, you know, I think naming that experience is an important step to be like, oh crap, like now I'm starting to recognize how whiteness has made an impact on my life, how being a man has impacted my life, how being heterosexual has impacted my life. Right. I think about how sometimes I've shown up in those spaces and first been uncomfortable, but also like coming in with like, I think good intentions with it, um, which is not always like it's good, but also like you also have to know that there's impact with those intentions too. And we've actually started and by we, I mean, I'm, I don't know, we as in some of the social justice circles that I've been in are trying to actually shift the intent versus impact language Mm -hmm. to intent and impact. There is and should be a certain amount of learning that happens between those with dominant identities and those with subordinated identities. And I think we've swung a little bit too far. And I would say we in the context of me being a person of color. We swung a little bit too far into the impact side of like, you have to recognize the impact. You have to recognize the impact. I don't give a where you're coming from. You you have to recognize the impact. I think that actually does a disservice to dialogue a little bit. And we've been talking about, does that make sense that in building? So for example, you and I, we have a relationship built and there's no way that we could have built that relationship if I was only focused on what impact your whiteness may have had on me, right? Right. I have to, and maybe that's sort of part of the the task of being an educator is that we recognize that intent matters in a lot of cases to understand the impact. 
And if we swing too far to the side of we can only focus on what impact is made, then we lose like half of the conversation mm-hmm. and we lose the potential to build friendships and relationships that are going to help out in the long run anyway. Right. I think people with subordinated identities need to start seeing how honoring intent, not necessarily excusing it, but honoring intent helps in the long run if you are able to build that relationship with that person. Yeah. I think from my point of view, yes, I agree on that. But I also think like there's some times where it's just the impact that you have is just unfor- like can be unforgivable. I agree. And I think giving that feedback is critical and also recognizing that you need to receive that feedback is critical. Um, and also taking that to like heart and making sure that that's just the way you grow. From my perspective, like as a white dude, like I think there's times where I was like, wow, like I'm going to take that. I'm taking that personally. And then I'm like, why though? (laughs) Yes, I guess I felt like attacked in the moment, but at the end it was something that I learned from and I, and I actually had the privilege to learn from and and maybe reduce harm later on in in certain spaces and in my life actually. Um, And so I think, I think that impact is crucial, but yes, I think like if we're going to make connections and like build a bridge, I don't think it's always going to be like always you have to hit someone over the head with it, the impact that they are giving you. Um, but I think that's also a learning process for a lot of folks. Yeah. And maybe, maybe we just came up with another podcast topic, but I want to be clear. You're absolutely right. Like some impact is unforgivable. And I think that what brought that up to mind for me is violence, right? Like right. if you sexually assault someone, I don't give a what your intent was, right. right? I think I was talking more nuanced. Like if there's intent on both sides, at least to build a relationship, I think mm-hmm. people who are going to experience the brunt of the harm and of the impact could potentially just relax for a second. Yes, the people in dominant positions with more power need to build a majority of the bridge, but I do think that process could be more understood, more meaningful if we're able to sort of start taking in to account what some of the intent is. Like if the intent is I'm here to learn, I'm ignorant and I'm sorry I said you guys, (laughs) you know, like I think there's degrees of intent that we can understand and talk about. I guess when I, within that certain conversation that we just had, I'm thinking about um, how to show up in ways of like talking from your own experience. And I've done it where I've talked about other people's experiences and they're like, well, that you're not them. Jake, like talk from your own. Um, so I think that's a good way to show up as well is always remember that you're coming f- with your own experiences into these spaces. And if you need, if you are, are engaging in also, and they want you to speak, speak from your own experience. But. Yeah. I think as long as you speak from your experience, but don't speak of it as it's truth, right? Right. This idea of showing up, I think we're eventually going to get to sort of a do and don't situation. And we've kind of already talked about that. But one of the don'ts is assume that your truth and your experience is the truth of the room. Right. Um, I think with that attitude, people start to say things like, well, I have this one black friend that said this and said it was okay." You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. yes, that is your experience, but that's not okay to say that's (laughs) general that's actually like extra racist in the sense that you're generalizing one person's experience to everyone else's right and so part of the do is come and talk about things from your experience but on the other side of that coin of the don't is to assume that experience is truth Mm. i didn't think about that thank you other things that we should be thinking about when we show up to places because 
I coming off the intent versus impact or intent and impact conversation. Like I know for a fact early on in my experience, I was like afraid of screwing up, right? Like when I was like, holy crap, I've been harming people unintentionally. Then I tend, I swung over to, okay, I better not like, I don't want to screw up. I don't want the feeling of hurting someone else. I don't want that responsibility. And so, I mean, I don't, one of the hardest things I think to let go of is this, this fear of screwing up. Yeah. I think I, I can relate on that as well as I think there's a lot of times where I'm very critical of myself and very, I think even hard on myself to the point where it's like really not productive and it's all comes from like a place of you better like say this, right. You better, you better not up. It's it's all, this is like, you better not up. Right. And that's really unrealistic. And that's also really even hard for you. And then also like, you'll be more nervous to engage if right. you do that. And I, that's, that's a reason why I get a really nervous to engage sometimes. And I'm also like critically analyzing why that's why that happens. There's a lot of social justice practice and processes from subordinated groups. And I think for, in this particular case in black feminist theory it is a lot about not only do we need other people to recognize our humanity, but we need to recognize our own humanity too. And if you go into these spaces thinking I have to be perfect and I can't screw up, that's actually taking your own humanity away from you, right? So if we're going to practice some of the teachings of incredible thinkers that we don't get to listen to very often, then we need to go in there practicing that level of like humanity and humility to be able to forgive ourselves when we do screw up, right? Like screwing up is a bit of a fact of life, particularly when we're constantly learning. It's not fear I think that you should have about screwing up. If you can shift that fear to you should fear not being able to recognize when someone is telling you just that you're screwing up. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like yeah. if you don't, if you don't see someone saying, Hey, you did this, that's kind of messed up. I would like you to change. If you miss that piece, then you become like, I don't, I don't know, extra oppressive. I don't know. Like <laughs> one of the most important skills I think that I've learned in my time here is to receive feedback gracefully and then prove that I heard that feedback through behavior. Mm -hmm. And that's not easy either. Right. I think even I've received that feedback and I've told like, yeah, you got to change your behavior. You got to change the way you interact with folks, um, show up. I guess that was something I always thought was a conscious like thing that I was like, oh, I was thinking about that. And then there was a while for me to go, oh, I wasn't thinking that way or I was doing something that is harmful or potentially harmful to folks. And I think that, yeah, that's an active process. And I think it's an everyday process, but I think it's also a he very healthy one. And I think for folks out there like listening to this, I think you have to remember that like, yes, you're a human being and you're going to f up, but that is part of, like Carl said, he's part of life and it's a healthy thing to think about. We're not saying it's easier if you recognize that either, yeah. right? Like I still kind of operate on this, I don't want to hurt people mode. And I think I've turned it into sort of a healthy process of continual learning and self-growth. And like, I'm always getting feedback about connecting my intent and my thought processes to my behavior. Cause I think a lot of people have at least a lot of people who are close to me and are kind of know me better than most see and have learned about me that my intent and my mental, like my brain is just constantly looking for ways to improve. And so once I've sort of opened up 
transparent channels for feedback, then the feedback came. And, you know, it's a very healthy, very stressful cycle of I'm trying to prove that I hear the feedback and then still continuing to get feedback. So it can be disheartening, right? Um, At least a lot of the men that I've talked to have hit sort of a wall of like, holy crap, like this is way more um, like this is a lot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's a lot to undo however many years of socialization Mm -hmm. from however many identity perspectives, you know? Right. And I talk to other like white men, I think specifically in men in the movement sometimes. And they're like, this is a lot that more than I signed up for. And I was like, <laughs> really good. <laughs> this, it was more of like, I almost like started laughing and I was like, wait, that's not like, it's funny, but it's not funny. Right. <laughs> um, I try not to trick people into joining, but you know, right. sometimes you get, if like, <laughs> I try to say like, I, well, I do say a lot, like, I'm not going to lie to you. This is a hard process. Yeah. And then I think men are like challenge accepted. <laughs> and, then and then they that's get in there in our masculinity. <laughs> <laughs> and then they go in there they go oh i and but they don't quit like i think the men yeah. that join men in the movement at least there's enough of a sense of community and support through that challenge um it's doable like i think it's really doable mm-hmm. in terms of bringing on men who previously don't think about this on a daily basis and supporting them through it mm-hmm. i think with the way you talked about like how it can be challenging um which I think we kind of talked about a little bit, but I like to get into more of that. I don't know what I'm saying. More of what though? I would like to talk about uh, critical humility. Okay. Um, What the hell is critical humility? My understanding of it is basically coming as as a person, usually basically uh, forming a a learning standpoint and also coming from a way of really critically knowing what to do and also what to learn from and also kind of what you've, what mistakes have you made um, and also how to I guess, rebuild or, um, rekindle relationships or, um, the ways of thinking. I don't know what else to say. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, this concept of critical humility is way deeper and more complex than we're going to be able to do justice Mm -hmm. to it today. But you're right on in the sense that it takes a balance of being confident that you belong, but knowing that you don't. And showing up for people with subordinated identities in a way that they feel supported, but that can't be the only space that you do it right. You have to constantly self-reflect on the way white supremacy and patriarchy have impacted your life while also simultaneously engaging in positive ways with subordinated communities to build toward social justice. It's difficult. If you're interested in learning a a little bit more about the nuances of what critical humility means, take a look at this article titled Developing Capacity for Critical Self-Reflection When Race is Salient. Um, It's written by the European American Collaborative Challenging Whiteness. It's a bit of a game changer in terms of it gives very concrete skills and questions around how to practice critical humility when examining whiteness. Um, And I think it translates to any dominant identity, right? Yeah, I think how that, that article can be really applicable for any identity work. I think it's crucial for white folks to really read. I think that's a good resource, especially for me. Yeah. And that's part of what showing up to spaces is about is doing some of our own education. Like listening to this podcast is part of that process. Uh, well, I mean, I say that humbly mm-hmm. <laughs> where uh, I, t- I mean, I don't know if I tell this in men in the movement as much, but I tell this in other spaces where it's sort of a program. I say like showing up to this one hour every other week isn't enough to actually make change. Like you have to do your own work. And that might be the hardest part of this whole deal is building the endurance to drive yourself to be better. That's not a typical practice, I don't think, for most people. And so 
finding resources, finding people who can direct you to the right resources, then actually doing that and thinking about it is a critical part of showing up to spaces because I, I think it's hard to say like, I can't, I don't remember every article that I've ever read. Right. Right. I can't remember every meaningful conversation that I've ever had. And I'm certainly not sitting here with you thinking about, oh yeah, that one time on April 20th in 2012, I had this one conversation that's informing exactly what I'm saying right now. Like it doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. We kind of have to hope that as we read these things, it sort of builds our collective personality and traits that it shows up in manners that, that translate to doing good work. Right. I think a part of that too is... Cause you kind of brought up like we have to do our own work. And I think that also the kind of the op other side of it is like, we shouldn't expect other people to teach us. Yeah. Um, I think that comes from like, especially from like dominant identities, like such as me being a white dude. Like I remember asking someone, Hey, what's colorism? And they were like, look it up, dude. You have a phone damn um and, and i was like oh good on that person shout out to that person yeah um and i guess i was just going in there like you're black you could tell me what that means and i was like and then they're like no don't don't assume that <laughs> and i think that's really important to think about is like people that have subordinated or marginalized identities can't teach you everything and or even have to teach you at all well um, they, they, they can we often choose not to right yeah <laughs> yeah that self-work really is important. And if you don't know something or you don't know a term, it's okay to ask, but don't expect them to tell you. Yeah. And again, it goes back to intentions. It goes back to what kind of relationship you've already had built. Mm -hmm. um, I think it actually speaks well to the relationship you have with that person where they're like, you can f off on this one. Um, and it might be different at different points because that particular day, that particular person may have had like five, you may have been the sixth white person to ask him about race, right? right. Who knows? We don't know, but part of being or part of holding uh, dominant identities in the social justice realm is to understand that that's not about us. That is us benefiting from the system. And again, it goes back to being humble when giving feedback. That was a great piece of feedback for you. Yeah, it was. And I also think there's something to this concept of bearing witness. It's something that I recently came into understand. Well, I don't understand it, but it's a term that has recently come into my life. Bearing witness is sort of this concept of there's not a whole lot of substitutes to listening to someone's story of trauma. In real time, we have a panel of survivors called the Speakers Bureau here at CSU, where there are survivors of interpersonal violence who sort of tell their stories one after another. Like there is nothing, I don't think there's anything we can do to replicate that process. If we recorded that, right, we never would. But if we did record that and then like you watched a video of it, it just wouldn't have sort of the same impact. And so right. part of showing up, part of the importance of showing up is that you get to bear witness to stories and that can have a pretty profound impact on us in one way or another. Mm -hmm. I think like for folks that have never heard that or like had that experience, it's very like, especially within like the space of like being a dude and specifically being a white dude, like most of the time. And I guess in my case, I've never experienced that trauma. And so coming into that space and like learning and hearing those stories is definitely something that you really have to process. And I think that also has to go with being vulnerable and also understanding when and when it's appropriate and when it's authentic to be vulnerable um, is important too. I think about how like me as a dude, it's always like, oh, I want to be vulnerable, but I can't be vulnerable with another dude. So I'm just going to process with this woman that I'm pretty close with. But then I don't, I'm not understanding the emotional labor I'm putting on them. And so then how is that like even harming them? I think a good way to show up as a dude, like I said, is be vulnerable, but understand that it's not always 
appropriate in the ways that you might think. If you're going to a space that's talking about marginalized identities and then you choose that to be like incredibly vulnerable and authentic, it might center the conversation back onto you as someone with dominant identities. And so you have to be careful about there is obviously, I think, a way to be vulnerable without centering the conversation on who you are. And then to your other point about support systems, like I think one of the crucial ways of following up to showing up part of the process of showing up is to process what you learned. Right. We've talked about this before. We're not saying you can't ever process with women about this right. stuff. We're just saying we as men tend to disproportionately process with women about this kind of stuff. That's different. Of course, I think if you're processing whiteness with another white person who happens to be a woman, I think that's okay. But if we're mm-hmm. going to talk about masculinity, if you show up in spaces where you learn about your masculinity or if you learn about survivor uh, stories or survivor experiences, and then you run to the survivor, you know, and start talking about it, that's probably not the best best way to go about it. Yeah. But think about the increased impact you could have if you talk to your bro or your brother or your father about your experience of hearing survivor stories. You know what I mean? Like that to me has a greater impact. That's less selfish. That is both you processing the stuff you're going through and kind of relaying an experience that you have to people that haven't had it before. Right. Understanding that you also need like good support systems too. And also finding out through vulnerability, whether that is a good support system or not. And I think taking that risk is really good. For example, like I didn't know, like my brother would be a great support for me whenever I needed to process stuff, whether that be the speaker's bureau or whether that be stuff going on in my life um, with my own experiences. And so I think taking that risk and saying like, Hey, I need to talk to you. This is what's going on. I'm not, I said I was okay. Or I said I was good, but this is, that was bull. (laughs) Um, so I think like, I think men even thinking about vulnerability is yes, it's a risk for their masculinity and it's a risk in general. But if you take that risk, I think it's just super healthy. And yeah, vulnerability is something that I I stress within my own identities. So, so we realize that's a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and that's also not all of it. Like I think showing up is a necessary practice if men are going to exercise social justice. Right. So to sort of recap, Some of the things that we said, we have to understand sort of our intent when we go into these spaces. Thinking about how everything matters when you show up. We didn't really cover this that much, but I think I'd like to say it briefly. Is like understanding how much space you're taking up, how much airtime you're taking up, whether that's you speaking or not speaking, um, body posture, uh, how polite you are. Even using, I think manners is good too. Um, That also might be couched in some other privilege as well. But I think showing that you at least are polite is good. Um, Don't interrupt. Yeah. Don't wait for your turn to speak. Also understand what you wear, how you present yourself. Um, I also understand that sometimes I don't look the best and I understand that there's a lot of privilege ingrained in that Mm -hmm. as well. And people like just like kind of shrug it off and go, oh, Jake's having a bad day instead of like, oh, he looks awful. Stuff like that. Or, oh, he doesn't look like he really wants to be here. So some things you can do is check out that critical humility article that we talked about earlier and find someone to process with. Be intentional with who you process with is one of the things. Mm-hmm. that we should definitely do as men who are trying to show up in these spaces. Yeah. And I mean, overall, I think also try to have fun with the, what you're doing and what you're learning. Cause after all, like what's the point if you're not at least enjoying it. And I think, but also understanding that the ways that you have fun could be potentially oppressive. So <laughs> figure like, that out. Yeah. That's like a lot of your own work to do is like, is this fun? Like analyze whether it's fun or not. And whether the ways that you think are fun or uh, productive and helpful for you and others around you. Awesome. 
So that will do it for this episode of Do You Even Lift Bro? Men Exercising Social Justice. If you have feedback, thoughts, comments, questions, or want to be interviewed for the podcast, please email wgac at colostate.edu. That's wgac at c-o-l-o-s-t-a-t-e dot edu. Huge shout out to our partnership between the Women and Gender Advocacy Center and KCSU here at, at Colorado State University for actually allowing this podcast to happen. For more content about masculinities, check out meninthemovement.blogspot.com. For more information about WGAC, go to wgac.coloestate.edu. For more KCSU content, go to kcsufm.com. Music production by Xavier Hadley, aka Zavley. Check him out at soundcloud.com slash Xavier Hadley. That's X-A-V-I-E-R-H-A-D-L-E-Y. Deuces! If you're interested in understanding critical humility more, it's a term coined by. You're just oh, saying if you're, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>